The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ, here and now we gather to worship together. We welcome you, present at 735 Commonwealth Avenue. We welcome you, listening across National Public Radio in New England, 90.9 FM. We welcome you around the globe, our internet listenership, WBUR.org. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. On this Pentecost Sunday, we lift our hearts. Come Holy Ghost, our hearts inspire. Let us thine influence prove, source of the old prophetic fire, fountain of light and love. As we are able, may we stand in the presence of God.
May we pray together. Almighty God, on this day you opened the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit. Shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel that it may reach to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we pause to listen to the singing of the Kyrie, and as we do so, we remember the moments of need for contrition and compunction and lament and regret, those trails and travels into the recesses and resources of our innermost being. On this Pentecost Sunday, we offer our prayer, O God, who has at this time did teach the hearts of thy faithful people by sending them the light of thy Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things, and evermore to rejoice in thy holy comfort through the merits of Christ Jesus our Savior. Let us continue to pray in silence. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Amen. A lesson from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 22 through 27. Thanks be to God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. 
Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is, the, what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let us pray responsively verses from Psalm 104 with the Antiphon. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan that you form to do sport in it. 
These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who looks on the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have been. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Dei, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, and chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, 
because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. With many of our students away now on summer break, we may hazard to begin the sermon with a reference to Donna Reed, the delightful welcoming space of this pulpit carries, as do many, the challenge come sermon illustration time of finding illustrations, either singular or composite, that may be amenable, accessible to those ages 20 and less, 40, 60, 80, and more. So upon a regular term Sunday, I might think twice about whether or not Donna Reed is known to those coming on 20, or whether she connects with those entering the ages of 39 and 40. But this Sunday, just for a moment, we will pause to remember Donna Reed. You may have seen a beautifully written narrative in Tuesday's New York Times about a shoebox full of 300 and 41 letters, which, it turns out, Donna Reed had kept in the back reaches of her garage, 
left there when she died at age 64 in 1986, more than 20 years ago. These letters carry postmarks from Germany and London, from the Aleutian Islands, from Papua New Guinea. And they carry phrases like these. They're archaic in a way, except what is true is lastingly true. From the Aleutian Islands, dear Donna Reed, we here have been for many months since we have seen any of our families or seen a woman. Would you please be so kind as to consider sending us your photograph? Or this from New Guinea in 1944. My wife's uncle died on the next island, New Britain, in 1943. You know it's been so long since I saw any of my friends from Iowa. I understand you are from Denison, Iowa. You came from a small village, as did I. And you seem to be about the same age as I am. I think I can write to you or hand signed by three tough sergeants in the mid-Pacific. Simply, Donna Reed, we think you are swell. Signed and signed and all. Another generation will perhaps remember her as the bright light of George's wonderful life, that matriarch of the home wherein the top of the stairway banister never seems quite to stay still. Still others will recall her. How did she do it? Dressed to the nines at 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. in living room or kitchen or wherever in the confines of her own show. We bring her forward this day thanks to the discovery her daughter, Mary Owen, made. Now, Mary, at age 52, you may have read, had been well employed until early recession, and then she was let go by her firm, maybe you know the name, Bear Stearns, a company apparently not bearish and not sternish, stern enough for the times, but one that had given her good employment until the pink slip, why is it pink, came. And then she found a recessive intermediary deeper part of life. That is, she went back into the garage. You know, you perhaps have had one. There's the hose and there's the garden rake. There are tin cans with a little bit of oil in each, dating from the time of King David. You never know when you might need that one. A little a gasoline and then maybe a box, a shoe box, in this case containing 341 letters, which this recession freed a loving daughter to discover and to open and to read and to enjoy. I do not fish out this newspaper story as part of my ongoing campaign and vendetta to impress upon the listening congregation the power of newspaper reading day by day, although now that the subject has come up, we might pause to recognize the power of a newspaper account, unforeseen and unforeseeable, unexpected and unexpectable, to expand the mind, to broaden the perspective, to touch the heart, to quicken the intelligence. No, I don't fish out this news 
paper story as a part of an ongoing personal campaign or vendetta in which to convince you of the lasting good of a personal note, although now that the subject has come up, we might at least recognize the power in written correspondence to evoke, to call up the presence, the voice, the heart, cor ad cor locitur, of the correspondent. No, we bring her up in all her glory because she opens for us the two lines of gospel sung and spoken today. Mary Owen's discovery opens Pentecost's recession theology, reminding us, does this recession theology, first in Romans and second in John, first that you are your brother's keeper, and second that you dare not forget the love you had at first. For in the first place, we hear from Romans 8, a beautiful jewel, a gem of a reading. This is Paul's accolade to an apocalyptic hope found regularly in his authentic letters. Here he comes toward you. You know, on my mind, prayer mind, each week, there are more than a dozen people who are currently seeking employment. I think of them near and far, regularly, week by week. And when I read from Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our recession, in our weakness. I desire to speak with Paul a word of hope. Who hopes for what he sees? We hope for what we do not see, and so we wait for it with patience. This is a truly challenging time for those who have, for the time being, lost traction, lost footing in the movement forward of this great but not perfect society. Do you with me keep a list of statistics? I have a little notebook. I hold them and write them when something comes along. Arithmetic can be so interesting if you let it. Just numbers, 10 and 28 and 40 and 58 and 87 and 266. This is our time, 10. That's 10 million species with which we share this planet to inhabit. 28, 28% of all adults in a lifetime in this country change religions, not just denominations. That's 40%. 28% change religions. 40%, that's the percentage of children in 2007 in the United States born out of wedlock. 50, that's 50%. That's the percentage of recent applicants for Afghani police work who were tested positive for drug use. 87, that's 87,000 Iraqi civilians who have died a violent death since 2005. And 266, I see some of you recognize that number. That's the number of instances of waterboarding, a form of torture used on two, yes, just two Iraqi prisoners of war. But this morning, I keep before you the number 84, because in early recession, we learned that of all of the jobs lost, 84% of 
were lost by men, 84% were lost to men, many of whom, for whom perhaps the home was the castle, but the job was the home, rightly or wrongly. I look forward with you to the day when women and men who want to work can work. There's certainly plenty of work to be done. I look forward with you to the day when, as a community resting on a culture, resting on a society, resting on a language, we will do a better job to mitigate the hurts of recession. We shall capture again a recession theology that reminds us, as the scripture says, that those who have much might not have too much, and those who have little might not have too little. But why, Dean Hill, do you bring this up on Pentecost? We're dressed in red. The hymns are spirit. This is the birthday of the church. Where is the cake? Where are the candles? Where are the gifts? Ah, well. Above me is Augustine of Hippo, who near the year 400, you know, this is one place in Boston where eyes 1,600 years old can look upon you, as he does today, where in the year, near the year 400 he began his work as a bishop and caught, caught up in a spat with the Donatists, so named after their leader, Donatus. They were in North Africa, a part of the early church, spirited, disciplined, holy, and convinced that one who was baptized by a holy bishop was well baptized and otherwise not so. That is, they, and, they with Augustine engaged in an argument about the extent of the church. Just how much real estate does the church cover? With the Donatists and Duke University over the last 25 years, we might say or might have said, it's a small sphere, it's a primitive holiness, it's a gathering of a remnant, it's a, I can be touched by it in my own tradition, a band of dear Methodists fleeing from the wrath to come, it is a gathering of resident aliens, that is, Christ always against culture, Christ always alienated from culture, Christ against culture. Or we might say with Augustine, and I propound it today, celebrate it today, affirm it today, that the church is far more extensive than that. The church includes we here worshiping and also those struggling to find work well apart from worship. The church includes those visibly present and those the universal, invisible extent of the church is well nigh inexhaustible, said Augustine. It goes through invisible networks, from baptized brow to baptized brow, from consecrated marriage to consecrated marriage, from social fellowship and joy to social fellowship and joy. It is out there, pervasive, as o'er each continent and island the dawn leads forth another day. The voice of prayer is never silent, and never the strains of praise fade away as the old hymn sang. That is, for Augustine, surveying us today, 
there is a well-nigh universal extent to the church, which includes those absent hunting for work. Well, you say, some of those may not be people of faith, but barely any of them exist socially apart from some baptized brow, some consecrated life. Well, they're not all necessarily people of moral strength, but hardly any exists apart from a community imbued with strength and goodness and those working for a better future. Well, but they may, some of them, not be of a clear conscience. Well, all are invested in a language and a society and a culture and a community amenable to improvement and direction and a gaining forward motion around us. There is, from this old box, this old collection of letters, a reminder from the era of Donna Reed of what it felt like to share a common project, to engage in a common faith, a common ground, a common hope, and to do so with a zeal and a ferocity based on a hope for the future. She wrote, this was most touching to her daughter, I wish that I could find, this is 1942, more to do to support this country's effort. I just don't know how much influence I've had. The Spirit helps us in our recession. But there is a second flame flickering on the Pentecost altar, and it brews up and it comes up in the Gospel of John in the 16th chapter because we're aware that employment is not, full employment is not heaven, and guaranteed employment is not heaven, and employment itself is not always heaven. There are only a few of us who come toward the last horizon thinking, if I could only have spent another Saturday afternoon in the office. I just wish. No. Employment and heaven may intersect, but they're not the same. John 16 says what we do not expect about sin and righteousness and judgment. Sin, no, not a list of peccadillos or wrongdoings or even corporate misdoings, but simply a lack of confidence, trust, faith, belief. Righteousness, not our own gain or our own achievement, but strikingly the absence of Christ, which allows the emergence of that recessive longing, which is your heart of hearts and judgment. No, not goats and sheep here, but simply the victory of the invisible over the visible, the victory of the lasting over the God of this world. Donna Reed wanted to be remembered for an influence of good that she had. And so in time-honored fashion, she packed a shoebox and put it up in a faraway place. Let me ask you bluntly, for what do you want to be remembered? Shall we not, in a time of recessive consideration, remember the verses by which we were raised? Store ye not up treasure on earth where moth and rust consume and thieves break in and steal, but store ye up treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume, nor do thieves break in and steal. The first chaplain of Marsh Chapel, the Reverend Dr. Franklin Littell, 
died earlier this week. What a life. Next week we will remember him further. But I wonder to channel for a moment our own inner Littell, whether he would not speak bluntly to us, saying, you can't take it with you. I mean, we live a fair amount of our life thinking we can, but truly, you can't. This is a hackneyed with whiskers illustration, but you know, they don't build hearses with trailer hitches. No, not even in the new GM. There isn't a two-inch ball or a one-and-three-quarter-inch or a one-and-a-half-inch ball. You, you can't take it with you, but you can leave something. I ask you flatly, for what do you want to be remembered by the next generation? Will they see in your life the verse from Hebrews, prize your time, now you have it. God is a consuming fire. Or from Matthew, seek ye first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these others will be yours as well. Or from the Sermon on the Mount, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yes, this recession theology, you could feel the turn coming. You're great listeners. You knew it was there. A recession theology is a recessive one that carries you into the deep, cavernous, innermost parts of your being. The heart for which life was given the heart that is your truest self, the heart of which St. Augustine did write, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. A recession theology reminds us that we are our brother's keeper. A recession theology reminds us as well not to forget the love we had at first. Said Mary Owen, I never knew I never realized when I read those letters, it made me so proud. Where is your treasure? We offer to conclude the sermon as we began with Augustine, so we shall end. His lifting of heart in the love of the divine. Thou art the foundation of all of life. In thy light, we see light. Give me a man who loves, I know he will understand. Give me a man who yearns, I know he will understand. Give me a man who longs, I know he will understand. Give me a man who hungers and thirsts, I know he will understand. Give me a man who in this desert we might substitute recession sighs for the spirit of the far-off eternal country. I know he will understand. The spirit helps us in our recession to remind us that we are children of the living God. Amen.
as we are called to prayer by the singing of Lead Me, Lord, I would invite you to pray as you are so moved to best support the prayers of this community. Please come to the altar rail. Please stand in place or raise your hands. Respond in your first language. However, you are so moved by the Spirit amongst us. I will set the intention, and if you would pray silently aloud or as you are so moved, and then, as I say, in your grace, would you please respond, hear our prayer. Dearly beloved, let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, our souls inspire and lighten with celestial fire. You, the anointing spirit, art, who does your sevenfold gifts impart. We are glad and grateful for your presence with us this day of Pentecost and all days, for your encouragement by your gifts and fruits in our lives, for your empowerment to grow in love and to choose the good. In your grace of invitation and inclusion, we pray. For ourselves, as individuals, and for the communities of which we are a part. For our particular ministries in the world. For our ministry in and through Marsh Chapel and the Office of Religious Life. For the work of all the church. In your grace, hear our prayer. For the nations and peoples of the world, for the leaders amongst them, and for the ways of peace amongst us all. In your grace, hear our prayer. For creation, for earth and air and water, for our companion animals and plants, and for our stewardship. In your grace, hear our prayer. For those individuals and communities who face particular challenges of mind, body, spirit, 
in your grace. Hear our prayer. For the celebrations and joys of our human life, In your grace, hear our prayer. In all these things we pray in trust, as you pray with us in your compassion too deep for words. We give you thanks and say together, Amen. And now continuing in our prayer together, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. We are glad you are among us this Pentecost Sunday, and we would lift up a few announcements this morning. Beginning June 21st, we will begin our National Summer Preacher Series for 2009 on the theme Darwin and Faith. You can find the schedule in your bulletin or on the chapel website at bu.edu chapel. Also on the chapel website is the first edition of our e-magazine, Motives. You can check it out there. It's a flash file that you can interact with directly online. We would encourage those of you who are present to stay for lunch if you're able. We'd also encourage you to get to know us and help us get to know you better by filling out the pew pad at the end of, in, along the center aisle of each pew uh, with your name and contact information. We would encourage those present and those, especially in our virtual congregation, to visit our website and take the opportunity available there for online giving. In Christ's name, now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Most Holy God, bless these gifts and the givers, we pray, that the gifts may be a blessing to this world that is yours, that you have created. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night, a star shine through, your dullest morn, a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. Amen. 